with me in the movies They're gonna make a big star out of me We'll make a film about a man that's sad and lonely And all I gotta do is act naturally Well, I'll bet you I'm a gonna be a big star Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here. Appreciate you spending time with us always, uh, whether you're doing that through C19 TV or through WGWG, the radio radio version, the podcast version. Uh, we appreciate you no matter how you choose to spend time with us. Uh, Thomas Manning uh, joining us uh, over there in uh, Studio Z. Uh, as in Zelda, or, uh, or or actually, you got to do an interview, Thomas, sit in on an interview with with a, a filmmaker with a Z for the first name. What was that? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Zendaya. Last Zendaya, night. yeah. So that's yeah, uh, that, so. yeah, Studio Zendaya over there. Uh, Houston Coley uh, joining us. Houston, good to see you, man. Glad hey. you're here. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Thanks. Houston is a lover of film. He's got a uh, YouTube channel as well that's got about three uh, followers, uh, which is pretty good. It's, <laughs> it's got several, 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 yeah, several I worked thousand. hard to get those three. It was really <laughs> quite <Right. a> <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, that's kind of this show. We've got, we've got three viewers, and we'll take all three <laughs> of them. And, and, and with you being added, you'll probably watch the show, so it'll be four. So yeah, we'll, exactly. we'll, we'll accept that. We're glad you, uh, glad to have you join us. Uh, Thomas has been telling me about you for, uh, for quite a while and um, he turned me on to your work and man, you've got some uh, amazing work that we're going to talk about uh, as well. And just appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. I've, I have never been like really interviewed about my YouTube channel before or anything like that. So I'm, you know, kind of a rookie to that, but uh, I'm good at talking about myself. That's always, you know, <laughs> something i enjoy so that's all, that's all we need for this to be a successful show just for you to talk about yourself as much right. possible good to go. <laughs> well well with that in mind uh let's dive in and but before we do if, if you're joining this show for the very first time and you're wondering what the heck we do well it's kind of in the title meet me at the movies we talk movies and and it's all over the place everything from giving you reviews uh, to giving you some critical analysis, to having some hot topics, uh, to having filmmakers and film critics. Uh, and so today we are glad to have Houston Coley. So Houston, uh, let's talk about your love of film and cinema and uh, give us some background on how you uh, got into this and, and where that love comes from. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> definitely a lot of it came from my parents. Uh, I, I love seeing this father-son duo because I have a similar sort of father-son duo with my dad I think sometimes um my dad directed a movie when I was 11 called Cracker Jack uh and before that he was a playwright and uh did a lot of independent theater and so I grew up around that world of, of theater and then film and uh more than that just story I think was a huge part of my childhood and my mom is a huge literature major and everything uh and so that was very much infused in me from day one uh the thing that I don't think they really put in me was my love of Lego, which was what started my YouTube channel in the first place. Uh, I started doing Lego reviews and news and um, stop motion brick films. And I think more, even more so than my parents at first, that was what really got me into film um, was that most Lego sets are based on movies. And so of course I, I started loving movies through that, but also stop motion really, I think gives you, you learn the basics of what filmmaking is on a micro level. 
and you don't need, you know, most directors need an army to accomplish their their evil doing. Uh, and with stop motion animation, like you can do it all with just Lego sets and with clay or things like that. And so I think, um, yeah, doing stop motion and doing stuff with Lego really uh, taught me the basics of filmmaking. And then I started to want to translate that into the bigger, bigger world. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I'm, I'm definitely, I think I will probably end up looking back and thinking that like the Avengers was my Star Wars because I would say that like Marvel as much as you know I could acknowledge that Marvel is a um, mainstream kind of thing and there are much better films out there Marvel definitely introduced me to the love and joy of of movies I think Marvel and Harry Potter was a big part of that too um, Harry Potter I think was a similar thing of like seeing film wizardry like seeing oh, how they do that like the special effects and the set pieces and the you know how they do the costumes and the props and everything i loved collecting harry potter props when i was younger and stuff um and so i think all those things you know they're not particularly like i think a lot of people came to love film because of harry potter and because of marvel and things like that uh but those were probably several of the factors that that led me to want to talk about movies a lot <laughs> awesome awesome thomas dive yeah. in buddy i see you have a question yeah, yeah. So, you know, it started out for you, your film fandom with blockbusters like Harry Potter and Marvel. So how do you kind of transition from that and then really get uh, dig deeper into some of the indie art house films, um, which I know that you, you're a big fan of a lot of those like Parasite was your favorite film of last year because it was probably the best film of last year. Um, yeah. But it's not, you know, a massive blockbuster. Uh, it's just one of those that, uh, you know, film Twitter, film fandoms kind of settle on. So how do you kind of make that transition from the big blockbusters into some of the indie films as a fan? Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't know necessarily if there was like one particular like turning point or something. It, it often feels like a natural progression of sort of diving deeper into a love of film. Um, <laughs> certainly like the first thought that came to my mind was, well, most people say Marvel movies aren't high art. And so that makes you want to go check out high art, right? <laughs> um, but uh, so I think definitely it was like wanting to just learn more about the film world and see what else is out there. Uh, though also my dad has been um, heavily involved in the Oscars for many years, not like in the production of them, but in uh, reviewing them, interpreting them, uh, talking about what the Oscars say about the culture. And so for many years, and that, that probably could have been part of the first answer like I have I was probably paying attention to the Oscar nominees since I was like eight years old or so and my parents would always watch all of them and my dad would uh, be looking through what these movies say about the culture and stuff like that and so um yeah I think that definitely instilled a sense in me of like I want to know what the artists and the prophets of our our uh, year are saying at this given moment um and I think that's definitely something that I don't know that might be something that is a little bit more I hate to say, oh, I'm so unique. But like, <laughs> that is something that I yeah. think sometimes distinguishes how I think about film from, from other people is that I love talking about film and its relation to culture and, yeah. and the ways that movies influence the culture, the ways that culture influences movies um, and that relationship. I even, my next video coming up is I want to talk about the character of Uncle Iroh in Avatar and how I think the reason that people connected with Uncle Iroh, especially Gen Z and people my age connected with Uncle Iroh so much this past year when Avatar had this huge resurgence, uh, was because he's kind of like, he's like what young people wish old people would be for them. Like he's like the anti-boomer basically. <laughs> no offense to boomers, uh, but like 
I think he represents something in, in people's minds that they maybe don't even, you know, consciously realize. And so that's just like one example of a thing where I'm like, I love exploring that relationship and what this says about people and why people are connecting with this. Even if something's not like a masterpiece, I'm like, okay, so like The Greatest Showman, it's a hugely popular movie, like wildly popular. It's also like not a masterpiece at all, but I think it's really interesting that it has connected with people so heavily. Um, and I love exploring that relationship, you know. What, what was the first film that you that you actually took on with that in mind, exploring the culture and thinking about it? Do you remember? Hmm. Not particularly. I, I think definitely I, like when I was a kid, my parents would, would uh, look at the superhero movies that I loved and, and even Harry Potter and want to help me relate, relate that to my life and to our beliefs and things and, and help me explore that um, it, on a deeper level and not just have it be something that goes over the surface. And so that yeah. may have been part of it. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of like a particular thing, you know, like Parasite is the most recent thing that just yeah. pops into my head that yeah. I freaking adore. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's even, I think, I, I like looking at, like Parasite is an obvious example where it has a social commentary to it that's very right. clear. Um, but I love looking at things as well that don't necessarily have an obvious social commentary to them, but it's like, why are people connecting with this thing? And even, you know, I, like I loved Lego for so much longer than most people do. I, I still had Lego collections and stuff until I was about 16. And um, even with that, like I would watch the Lego TV show Ninjago and all these different things that are technically kids shows and still want to look at like, all right, but what is good about this? Like, this is a, this is a kid's show, but it actually has pretty good storytelling and wanting to analyze that, you know? And um, so I do, I like looking for like cultural relevance and just themes in unlikely places, you know? And I think that's why I like to talk about animation on my channel a lot as well. Yeah, well, it starts with story. I mean, it's got to start with the story with that source material. But yeah. I think, as you mentioned, with any film, if you give it a chance, there is a universal life lesson that can come out of it. Now, sometimes you have to think a little bit more about it, but other times it's just there. But because of the entertainment value, we're not thinking about that lesson and about that message and that theme that really can connect. Yeah. 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 I think um, that's the thing that my dad does now, which I, I work for his company, um, Man, it's such like a, I feel like I'm in good company though, in terms of fathers and sons working together and having a, <laughs> um, yeah, my dad's company is called Real and he does a thing where uh, he takes people's top 10 movies and get a group of people together. Every person brings their top 10 movies and they're able to see each other and uh, grow in their understanding of each other through the movies that move them. And wow. I think that's been something that has, uh, transformed how I view movies because I've seen people have their lives changed and have these huge insights come out of Dumb and Dumber and Finding Nemo and like all of these different movies that are not like high art. Maybe Finding Nemo is high art, but um, just different things that I'm like, I would have never seen that in there. And yet this person is having this really profound and sometimes spiritual significance coming out of this story. Um, and it's taught me to not be pretentious about uh, judging people for the movies that they connect with, you know. I need to talk to your dad. He sounds like a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as someone who was familiar with the art of filmmaking from your study of Lego and Lego animation, and then you studied uh, just film in general, 
how did you translate what you learned there into your development of video essays on YouTube and almost featurettes and mini documentaries? Because you look at your videos, they have their own structure and their own narrative to them. So what was that process kind of like? Yeah, I think, you know, as with many things, it started with imitation. Uh, I loved every frame of painting and nerd writer and some of those more um, prominent video essay channels at the time. And there was a, I think I was part of this um, movement around 2016 or so when like everyone started making video essays and many of them felt very much the same, including mine. Um, and, you know, I mean, that had been how it was with Lego too. Like when I started doing Lego, I really loved these channels like the brick show and Michael MGF and all these different people who were my heroes. And I was like, I want to do what they do. And so I did. And then it sort of morphed into its own identity. And it was the same thing with video essays where at first I was just imitating nerd writer, taking it very seriously, doing sort of, you know, contemplative, um, almost <laughs> whispery narration, talking about the profound themes of this movie. And then it morphed into, I really wanted things to be more personal, I think was a huge thing for me. I wanted to be able to talk about um, my personal connection to a movie rather than trying to be like objective and talking about the facts and the plot holes and stuff. Um, I wanted it to be positive. I wanted to make videos that would uplift movies that I loved rather than tear anything down. Um, and then I also think, uh, yeah, I wanted things that felt like an experience. Like they, they didn't feel like a, a throwaway video. Like I wanted the, my videos to feel like, okay, it's like got a three act structure and stuff. And it's got a title card that, at the beginning and a score to it and everything. Um, and in some ways that can be a hindrance sometimes. Like I think, at the moment, I'm trying my best to move towards like being able to make some more videos that are casual from time to time. Um, I actually built this set that I'm in right now because I wanted a place that I could feel comfortable to record and just like turn on the camera and make a video, um, which I have yet to do because <laughs> almost everything, I, I have an idea and then I'm like, all right, I need to write like 10 pages of notes and research everything that I can about this idea and stuff. Um, and so, yeah, once I started making videos that were like 30 minutes long, it's been hard to walk myself off that ledge. Um, but I do, when I make a video that's 30 minutes, I do think I'm a lot more satisfied than making a video that's sort of casual and unscripted because I'm like, I perfected this to the best of my abilities. And it feels like you're watching, you know, something that is a, a work in and of itself and not yeah. just a commentary track, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the videos that you produce, it's obvious for anybody who knows about filmmaking or video editing and production, it, there's a lot of work, a lot of research <laughs> that goes into it, and it shows. It really shows. Thanks. You're watching uh, Meet Me, the movies right here on C19 TV, and you may be listening through WG. WG. Again, we do appreciate it. Uh, Houston Coley is our guest. Thomas Manning along with me. We're going to take a quick intermission. I'm Nolte Manning the second. Uh, we are taking a quick intermission. We're going to come back and talk more about Houston Coley's work and his YouTube channel right here. And film, of course, film right here <laughs> on Meet Me at the Movies. They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make the big star. Yeti Baseball is here. Our players are raring to go and swing for the fences. But Yeti Athletics isn't all that's great about Cleveland Community College. We offer a wide variety of programs for students of all ages. We'll help you train for a new job, gain more skills for a promotion, or get a head start on college credits. We know students learn in different ways. That's why we offer online and in-person classes. CCC, we can help you move forward safely. Visit clevelandcc.edu today and go Yetis. Our fellow Americans, 
Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Tim Foster from C19 TV Sports. Join us each month for Yeti Tracks right here on C19 TV. Each month we talk to the players and the coaches of Yeti Athletics, including cross country, Yeti's boys baseball, and Yeti's girls softball. We break down the matchups, the conferences, the games, and the events that make Yeti sports so special. Stay informed with Yeti Athletics right here on Yeti Tracks each month. Join us right here on C19 TV and online at c19.tv. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make the big star. Hi, and welcome back into Meet Me in the Movies. I'm Thomas Manning here with Noel Manning, and we have our special guest, Houston Coley, who we're so glad could join us. And uh, Houston, before the show, you were telling us a little bit about a documentary that you're in the middle of production on, and uh, you were talking about how the pandemic has opened up some interesting opportunities with this production. So uh, just walk us through what this documentary is and uh, what are some of your uh, favorite parts about what you've been able to do with it so far? Yeah. So at the moment it is a docu-series. It's going to be probably six episodes and my dad and I are, are working together to produce it. Um, I'm directing and it's called the movie whisperer. And basically the idea it's, it's very informed by what I talked about in the previous segment, the stuff that my dad does with people's top 10 movies. Um, and basically, it's exploring the relationship between movies and culture, and specifically in the first few episodes, the relationship between the Oscars and culture. Um, my dad, <laughs> I've really grown up with a dad who has a lot of uh, passionate and, for some people, strange beliefs about movies. Um, and he has had the belief for a long time that the movies at the Academy Awards, the, the slate of the Best Picture nominees, actually foreshadows the culture um, and, and shows us kind of where culture is heading before it happens. And he believes that the Oscars are more capable of doing that because you remove the commerce element from it. The, the movies at the Oscars are made at least to some extent more for art for art's sake rather than for money. Um, and so he really views artists as the prophets of our generation um, as, as, as far as that goes. And so, yeah, um, the, the series is really made to explore the relationship between art and prophecy and artists as prophets. Um, and the idea of, you know, movies and culture. And so, yeah, right now we're doing sort of a mix of in-person and Zoom interviews and trying our best to sort of spice it up and see if we can make Zoom interviews interesting. Um, one of the things that we're trying right now is, is to like have an over the shoulder shot where you're seeing the person on the monitor that I'm talking to with Zoom. And then you're seeing over my shoulder, me talking to them and the my reaction shots and everything. So that it's a little bit more dynamic than just a Zoom recording. Um, and then we just a few days ago actually bought two black magic cameras to shoot the real segments with, which is like, whew, like I have never worked <laughs> with anything as nice as those cameras. I've always just used DSLRs my whole life. And so yeah. it's been, it's been pretty cool to actually be doing something that feels like, Oh, like we're shooting on 4k to like hopefully go to streaming or something like that'd be awesome. You know? So, yeah. That's awesome. You know, hearing you talk about this particular project, I, I think you're you're spot on. You and your dad are spot on with looking at the Oscars as kind of 
a reflection of what's happening, especially when you look at the slate of films that were nominated. Yeah. Because I, I taught a film course a while back and uh, we looked at, there's a book, uh, I think it's called like a thousand and one films you must see before you mm-hmm. die. Uh, I may have the title slightly off. I normally do on my titles. Thomas knows that. <laughs> I think you're right. I have that book. So. <laughs> and, and they updated every, you know, every few years. Yeah. But what I did is I took that and I would look at films within the decade. And so mm-hmm. with that course, we would look at the, the connection. So we'd look at, you know, what were the best films or the films that were recommended within, within, you know, the twenties, the 1920s. Yeah. <laughs> and we would say, okay, what does that say about culture? You know, what are the themes? What are the things that pop up? And it was yes. really interesting when you look at it by the decade, you really do get a good sense of, of what is happening and uh, what was happening and the impact that uh, was happening within cinema, but also within the world and within culture. So, I, 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 wow, I'm, I'm fascinated by this project. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, yeah. glad to hear about that, man. Yeah, it's um, one of the interesting things is that it's almost like, you know, I mentioned in the previous segment that my dad does a thing where he takes people's top 10 favorite movies and uh, learns about their character through that. Um, and one of his beliefs about that was the idea that these movies, you know, it's, it's one thing to learn someone's favorite movie and to, you know, be like, all right, here's what it says about you that this is your favorite movie. Like that's sort of a parlor trick. But his belief is that, you know, what's even more impactful is looking at the slate of 10 movies, almost like a canon in and of itself and being like, all right, what are the common patterns in these movies that this says about this person? And so this documentary is really taking that from, you know, the individual level of how these movies speak to a person through the slate of 10 to a cultural level of like, how do these 10 movies relate to each other? What are they collectively saying to the culture um, through, through the ways that they are saying it together? Um, And so the thing that really spurred me on to make it was what happened in 2020, because at the very start of 2020, my dad does a speech at Pinewood Studios here in Atlanta um, every year about the Oscars. And he did a speech looking at the top, however many movies were nominated last year, I think it was nine, um, Best Picture nominees. And the, the common theme that he saw emerge from those movies was the question of, will I be my brother's keeper? And, and more even, you know, even bigger than that was the idea of, can we test our devotions as a culture uh, to learn if we will be our brother's keeper. And so he was saying that in January of, of 2020 and being like, wow. I think something might happen in the culture this year that's going to test our devotions to each other. And, and will we take care of each other? Will we look out for each other? Wow. You know? And at the time, he just thought, maybe it'll be the election, you know, something like that. <laughs> but didn't know at all that this you know, would be so, such a crazy year. And so, um, yeah, that was really what spurred me to, wow. to want to make this documentary, was to be like, all right, there might be some validity to this. Like, you know, so, yeah. So how many, epi- you said, how many episodes are you planning to do? I think it's going to be six. Okay. Yeah. And how, how long will each be? We're looking at like 30 minute episodes. Wow. I'm, I'm hoping. Wow. Yeah. Although the first episode is going to be about 2020. And so that one might be longer than all the other ones. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, uh, when looking, let's uh, talk a little bit about your YouTube channel and um, how that started. You talked about when you, when you kind of launched it and some of the things you were doing. Uh, at what point did it really kick up a notch as far as viewers and engagement? Do you remember what that was and, and, you know, what was it that maybe triggered that? Yeah. I, you know, I, I made videos about Lego for like many years without having a huge uptick in subscribers. I think when I was 
making Lego videos, it went up to about 7,000 or 8,000 uh, by around 2015, 2016 or so. But once I started making movie videos, it definitely started to increase. Um, and for better or worse, it increases as you make videos about popular things. So <laughs> right. I, most of my subscribers, I think, especially in the early days, like I, I remember going from like 8,000 to 20,000 or something like that in the span of a few days. And that was because of a Marvel video that I did. And then another one of my big blow ups was from another Marvel video. And so people, I definitely think, uh, come for the, for the big stuff, um, especially stuff about blockbusters. And that's always the, the hard thing about YouTube is, you know, I want to embrace the tension between, you know, and you have to embrace the tension between things that you really want to make and things that are going to be successful and hopefully harmonize those things. Um, but sometimes I find myself going on like a one for you, one for me system where I'm like, you know, I made a video last summer or two summers ago now, man, it's been a while about <laughs> theme park design and uh, the relationship between video game design and theme park design. And it's maybe my favorite video that I've ever made. And it's also one of my least viewed videos that I've ever made. And after that, I made a video about Marvel or whatever that got a bunch of views. But so it's sort of a, um, you know, I try to put my heart into everything that I do. But yeah. there is also a, an element at which I'm like, you know, I want to make this thing regardless of if it's going to have views. And so I'm going to do that. And then next time, maybe I'll do something that will be a little bit more relevant to the current you know, discourse. Yeah. Finding that balance between what you love, what you want to do, but also what does the audience want to see? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think it's great that you're able to say, okay, I'm not going to give you just the audience stuff. I'm going to give you the stuff that I love too. And that I want to do yeah. as well. Thomas, yeah. I see you got a question, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so Houston, since you're so in tune with the relationship between filmmaking and the culture, um, the popular culture, what do you think if you could pick maybe one or two filmmakers over the course of your life, that you've studied, um, who do you think kind of defines the culture that we're living in at this particular moment or has hmm. over the over the past 20 years or so? Wow, that is a big question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I mean, man, cause it's hard because on the one hand you wanna talk about filmmakers who are like famous and making movies that are extremely mainstream. And then on the other hand, there's filmmakers who are not mainstream and yet I think have a lot of relevance to the culture. Um, I don't know. It, it would end up with me probably just talking about my favorite filmmakers. Um, but yeah, I just have to like, think about, you know, I think Greta Gerwig is someone who really gets our generation in a, in a really cool way. Um, that's, that was like the first name that came to mind. And I think about Lady Bird and I even think about Little Women and yeah. how one of the things that I really loved about the recent Little Women was the fact that she made these characters who lived 200 years ago or 100 years ago. When, when's the, <laughs> um, and makes them feel. It was in the past. It was yeah, in, the, in past. the past. They were sometime <laughs> in history, you know, um, and makes them feel like youth today. And you go, Oh, like they're not so different, you know, and, and yet doesn't sacrifice the integrity of the story or the accuracy of the historical period either. And I even see that in Frances Ha a little bit. I think she, she really understands that age uh, of, you know, single person. Um, so that was someone who came to mind pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, it would be hard. I, I just have to like rack my brains. Cause I also think there are filmmakers who just have influenced a lot of people. I don't know if they necessarily have captured something about this like legitimate moment in time, but mm -hmm. have influenced a lot of people's childhoods. And so the directors who made Harry Potter, like David Yates and um, you know, even Alfonso Cuaron and Christopher Columbus, um, and even Peter Jackson, who made the Lord of the Rings and stuff. Yeah. Like, I think all of that stuff is very relevant to our, um, 
to a lot of people my age today, they've, they've grown up with those things. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, that's, you're going to have me thinking about that <laughs> for a while. So that I can, I, I'll, I'll come up with someone yeah. 10 minutes from now and be well, like, Oh, I should have said that person. Well, I'll be, I'm, I'm now expecting a video essay on those. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to bring you back to talk about that. Cause we are almost out of time, but, uh, but Houston, I do want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find you. And if there are any final thoughts or comments you want to make sure you share with our audience right here. Yeah. Um, not a ton. I, so I just renamed my YouTube channel. It used to be called Houston Productions One. Now it's just called Houston Coley. Um, but if you search Houston Productions One, it'll probably still pop up. So you can search either Houston Coley or Houston Productions One on YouTube to get it. Um, my Twitter is at BlockbustedPod. And then I also have a Substack blog where I've been doing a lot of written film essays and things recently. I think it's um, HoustonProductions1.substack.com. Uh, and that's, it's about awesome. it. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, Houston, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing to follow your work. And for uh, me. looking forward to seeing uh, this collaboration with your dad as well. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about that. And we'll, we'll follow that as well. Uh, Thomas Manning, uh, where can people find your work other than right here? There's some uh, other yeah. places they can find it too. <laughs> Yeah, uh, find me on elementsofmadness.com where I do some writing and uh, interviewing as well for uh, Douglas Davidson's website. So head over to elementsofmadness.com. All right. Uh, for Thomas Manning, for Houston Coley, I'm Noel T. Manning II. Right here on Meet Me at the Movies, we do appreciate you. You can email us at info at c19.tv. We do take that viewer and non-viewer mail, and we'll share it uh, if we want to. So until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II <laughs> saying goodbye, and that is a wrap. Thank you.